from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is John Small, and I am the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. And we have a legend in the house today. My guest is Jim Belushi, an actor, a musician, and, of course, a cannabis entrepreneur. And Jim's challenging and exciting and often funny journey into the green rush has been chronicled in a reality series called Growing Belushi on the Discovery Channel. And now that show is back for a second season, premiering on January 19th. So I caught up with Jim, who joined me from Belushi's Farm, which is the name of his brand and also his sprawling property in Southern Oregon. And what began for Jim as 48 plants is now a pot empire that includes the brands The Blues Brothers and Captain Jack's. And on season two, we watched Jim and his cousin Chris and his team of farmers go on a mission from God to rebrand and rebuild their small cannabis farm, boutique cannabis farm, into a premium, large, scaling, high-end brand for the masses. And we watch him work with state-of-the-art technology, new cultivation methods, new equipment, and it doesn't always go as planned. There are also some cameo appearances from Dan Aykroyd and super chef Guy Fieri. So Jim and I had a great conversation about everything from why he got into the pop business in the first place, all the challenges he's faced and how he's had to overcome them, and how he uses weed in his own daily life. So without further ado, I bring you Mr. Jim Belushi. Thank you for doing this interview. I'm excited to see your show. I I haven't seen, I mean, I've just seen clips of it because I guess there's nothing, at least there was nothing for me to see yet. Did you see the first season? I watched a lot of the first season. So is it going to be a continuation of of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the first season really was, uh, you know, this Hollywood actor comes to rural Oregon and decides to grow cannabis, which was just... Yeah, let's talk about that. Why? I mean, why? Because you don't have to be doing this, although I know you're loving it, but you didn't have to do that. You were perfectly successful as an actor. You could have stayed in Hollywood, stayed in... in why Why get well, into the I'm pop still, business? Listen, I'm still an actor. I mean, I'm an actor. I'm a director. I'm, I mean, I just finished a movie called Evolution with Marcia Gay Harden. So I, I still act. And, and the idea of uh, growing Belushi, I'm still acting, writing, directing, producing, and growing. And, you know, I get to do a lot of things in my life. Man. Yeah. But but you didn't I mean, but be but being a weed entrepreneur is hard. And so did you had had you known what you know now, <laughs> would you have maybe gotten into it in this way? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I got sucked into the gold rush, baby. <laughs> Uh, there, there are no margins in this damn business, man. You got to do it because you love it. And I love it. I thought about it and I started this acting thing because first of all, it made me feel good for the first time in my life in high school. It helped me just 
feel like a better person. But I realized what my job was, what I was doing, and not only was making me feel good, but I was making people feel good. You know, when they laugh or they feel a really truthful moment in that drama, it releases endorphins and it makes you feel good. I mean, when people would leave the theater with their wife or their partner, they would feel good. And maybe that night they had a good time together. And that's a healing thing, comedy, acting. And moving into cannabis, I realized I'm still on purpose because cannabis makes you feel good. Not just the high, but the medicine that helps with the Alzheimer's, seizures, sleeplessness, hopelessness, pain. Uh, now they're talking about the cannabinoids helping with uh, COVID. It enhances the taste of food, the touch of your lover's skin. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel enlightened, lighter. It's gentle. It's generous. It's kind. Cannabis medicine is so good, people take it for the side effects. So I'm on purpose. The difference is when I do movies and television, someone else is financing it. This one I'm financing. <laughs> I mean, I'm look, I had a great year last year. All right. I broke even. That's a success, success, I can't even say the word, success story in cannabis. That is true. I think a lot of people are, they believe the green rush, you know, mythology. And, and I think you talk to anybody who's in the business and they say it's the hardest thing they've ever done. And, and making money is not right away in the cards. No, I mean, you take, you break down a, a, you sell a joint. You got six cents for the roller, uh, the rolling paper. You got 25 cents for the box. You got the labor that adds up to about 50, 60 cents a joint. You got the cannabis that runs into another dollar. I mean, you're at a, you're at a dollar 70 and then you sell it for 250 and then they sell it for double in a store, which is $5. So, you know, 170 to 250 is 70 cents on a, the pre-roll, it's, you're not making a, it's not like, uh, the margins are tough. And then by the way, then you got distribution fees, you got insurances, you got, I mean, like I said, I broke even last year. I'm really thrilled. Well, congratulations on that. And one of the things that a lot of people struggle with, with cannabis that are in the business is marketing. And you had this show, you know, you had the opportunity to have this show growing Belushi the first season. I'm wondering how much you thought that helped in terms of your awareness of your product sales. Did you guys see a direct correlation between that show and, and business? Well, the, the first episode, we spent a lot of time about the Captain Jack strain, the smell of SNL, that land race strain that Captain Jack got in the Cush Mountains in the early 70s and planted it from seed to flower for 40 years. He was the weed dealer at Saturday Night Live. That's how I found out about him because Danny Aykroyd turned me on to him. Well, we did a whole episode around the Captain Jack. And in Oregon, is the only place I can release it. We can't keep it in the store. It sold out immediately. So this show, of course, promotes my product. But also, this season, we were growing a GrowTech greenhouse. Jeremy and Mike at Grow Generation supplied so many things for our, our new greenhouses. We got Andin dehumidifiers. We got rogue soil. We got Foch light, LED lights, which increases, the light increases 30% in these greenhouses, especially during a winter grow. And it increases 30% yield. Plus, we use uh, advanced nutrients this year, which has increased our THC and our terpene values along with those faux slides. I mean, so, yeah, we're promoting their, their products, but these people are on the cutting edge of cannabis, and we're showing it on the show. I'm trying to build confidence in cannabis. I'm trying to show the audience the cleanliness, 
the testing, the uh, safe consumption, how to consume, where to get it, how to grow it. I mean, there's one episode in the first episode of this season where Chris and I go head to head and we each grow two plants. So we go to Grow Generation and I put together a kit and we grow, we literally show the audience how to grow it in their garage if they wanted to. So I'm informing them and I'm entertaining them. There's a great comedy and a great relationship with Chris. Got Dan Aykroyd here. We do a whole second episode with Guy Fieri. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. So Guy. Oh, my, my God. He, he stops at the farm. And, you know, Chris, my cousin who's in this. Yeah. He was in a restaurant business for 35 years. He's a cook. And Guy is a friend of mine for like 10 years. And Guy was driving down from uh, Washington to Santa Rosa with his family and friends. I mean, like six buses. And they were filming Triple D and also a special about his camping. And, and he goes, hey, Belush, I want to see your farm. Hey, Guy, I'd love for you to see it. I tell Chris and he flips out. Guy, Guy Fieri, I'm in the, I'm in the restaurant business. I, I dream of meeting him. Are you kidding me? He's coming to the farm. We, we, have, to, we have to set up a kitchen. We have to, he, he like flips out. So we have this little one table restaurant on the farm, right? It's really a barbecue shed, but we, we had to fill it out with equipment. Chris was out of his mind. Guy shows up and he's like a little fanboy and showing him how to cook these Albanian dishes. And Chris is all panicked. He literally says in his show, look, you're an actor. You get to shine all the time. I'm a cook. I get to shine this time. So now we got this competition of like, <laughs> he thinks I'm trying to squeeze into his shots. I mean, it's a very funny show. And guys, terrific. We cook a, um, I make him a uh, Blues Brothers ice cream that I came up with Dave and at uh, Cloud Creamery in Massachusetts. He just released it actually a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, we cook that with Guy. We cook some Albanian food with Guy. And then we come to the backyard here and Guy sets up a whole kitchen with all these people and like, I don't know, felt like 80 cameras. And we filmed the whole episode in the backyard by the river here. It's just been a, it's going to be a fun season. How much of it is really real and how much of it is scripted? I think people always want to pull the curtain back. Like how much of it is thought out before the cameras roll and how much of it is just like, this is a slice of life of what happens to Belushi's farm. Can you even tell us? Yeah, well, the way it works is really simple and complicated. Now, I'm an improvisational trained actor from the second city. So the way we would improvise scenes, we'd take suggestions from the audience. We'd go backstage we'd talk for maybe five minutes about what we could do. And then we'd go out and we just improvise and the changes on the spot. But at least we have a framework. So in the first season, when we went down to Columbia, we shot for nine days and didn't know what we were doing. We just kept walking and talking and filming and things happened and we caught it. On the farm, we replicate things that have happened on the farm. And then there are scenes that just kind of happen as they're happening, but nothing is written. There's some framework, like the idea of Chris and I literally got in a fight one day in front of a producer. Like a fist fight? <laughs> or just an no, argument. it's like uh, arguing, you know, it's like Chris is the general manager. He's a numbers guy. Right. And I was like, you know, I was growing this and, you know, I'm talking about the nutrients and, and he goes, well, if you try to uh, what the chef now is a grower, you know, I can grow cannabis. Uh, bullshit. Uh, just because you're around cannabis doesn't mean like osmosis, you know how to grow. I can grow it. I go, okay, I'll bet you 20 bucks. I can, we'll go head to head. Right. So my producer is going, stop talking. Let's get the cameras rolling. I like this. And so we, we 
feathered out that idea from that fight. So we recreated that fight. We went shopping for material. And then we just started going back and forth in these two tents growing. And so that story happened. So it's all real stuff. So the whole premise of, I mean, of, of growing season two is that you're scaling up, right? You're, you, you, you started the business kind of a craft business, um, labor of love, passion project. And now you're actually making a real business here. Am I right? Well, yeah. I mean, the first season, I mean, you know, I felt like Coppola, you know, it's like, ah, I love a wine. I'm going to grow some grapes, you know, it's like, ah, let's grow 48 plants, you know, then Danny gave Danny and Judy gave me the blues brothers and we, you know, it fit branding wise, you know, legacy seeds of the legacy brand mission from God, the healing that's around cannabis. And when we did that, and we went to the dispensaries, it sold out and it kept selling and it kept selling. And the weed was great. The marketing was great. The brand is, we were just shocked by it. And so we ran out of inventory. And one of the reasons we ran out of inventory was because I had hoop houses <laughs> that were dripping water on the plants. I had 300 pounds of mold. We couldn't get a second cycle. So we lost 700. So we lost about a thousand pounds. And Chris said, we are in trouble, but we got to deliver now. And that's when I brought Jeremy grow generation. in. I said, well, what do I do? And they basically said, get rid of the hoop houses, go with these grow tech greenhouses. So we worked hand in hand to build this new grow. What is grow generation? Is it is a company that a consulting, like, what is it exactly? Grow generation is the ACE hardware, the Walmart of cannabis materials for the grower at home for those six plants you can get in these, most of these medical states to huge commercial grows. And Jeremy's in charge of that commercial grow. And he came and he walked through this farm and we got that on film and he just killed a lot of stuff. They're like, Marijuana that we were growing was excellent. It's just the, the inventory and the efficiencies weren't great. So it was efficiencies, learning how to grow more and not killing it. I know there's one scene where you kill Dan Aykroyd's plant. I see. I saw. Yeah, that was from the first season. He made me go to Columbia to get those seeds. And, and this is real, okay? These land race strains, which are strains that are pure, right? Not been hybridized. Especially the sativa. The ones we got, the Santa Marta Gold, the Punta Rojos, the Mango Biche. From Colombia. the problem is their cycle is 14 weeks, 15 weeks for them to mature. Everybody grows in the United States on 10 weeks, 8 to 12 weeks, 10-week average. So that puts us for a month, five weeks out of our cycle. So nobody really grows these plants because it's not efficient. But I want to grow really unique genetics and special stuff. Like our Santa Monica Gold, we just harvested and land race. It is a one-to-one -one cannabis. You don't have to mix anything in. It's just naturally a one-to-one -one healing element. It's a medicine. Anyway, so what happens is I planted these plants outdoor when you're supposed to. And all my other outdoor plants, we harvested in the middle of October. And these Columbia plants weren't ready. So they went into November and froze and died. And so this episode is Danny comes to see his strains and they're dead. So it was real. It really happened. And so we just filmed the real thing and the real trials and tribulations of growing. So this season, you've brought in some professionals that are that really specialize in growing marijuana at scale and like really like making efficient 
And is that, what were the lessons that you've learned in doing that from these people, all these different people that you brought in? I learned so much. I mean, even the Andin dehumidifiers, you know, the dehumidifiers we had in the greenhouses, you know, they have to cycle down and kind of defrost and then start up again. Well, now these new Andins have a variable speed engine, a rotor motor. So when it, the fans will go down to here and then the water will drain out. And then when it's done, it'll go back up opposed to stopping and going. So it helps keep the consistency. Everything is about keeping the consistency of the environment. So the lighting, the post lights we have, we went to LED, which brings down the light. I'm sorry, it brings down the heat, the extra heat that helps create the, the rise of moisture, which helps create mold. So the heat now we have a better control of. We have this uh, total grow control brain that has sensors and it hooks up to everything. So we can keep everything consistent. We can keep the light levels at 1,100 looms. So when the sun, our greenhouse, so when the sun is out, we get our natural 1,100. If a cloud comes and the sun goes away, it goes down to about 800 to 750 looms. Well, this brain senses it and will bring up our interior lights to bring the looms back up to 1,000. So that kind of environmental control. And then we use Better soil, this rocket fuel that has a lot of a lot of little secrets in it. And then we used Big Mike's advanced nutrients, which is in four different stages, which really made a difference in our THC levels and our terpene levels. I learned so much. Are you going to be growing the same strains, just more of them, and they'll be more available to the public? Or are you doing different things now that you're a larger grow? Well, we always had the same canopy, but now we're having uh much more yield and less failure. So, you know, we only grow maybe 1,600 pounds in a year. I'm still a boutique artisan grow, and we're very specific about strains. And again, keeping the soil at 64 degrees temperature in order for the micronutrients to absorb into the roots. I mean, we flush out the, flush out the irrigation so the ash is white. I mean, we're very particular and very, very sticky detail-wise. But we can because we only have four greenhouses. We don't have a 100,000 square foot canopy, you know. So we manage and can control it very well in an artisan way. So, and we serve Oregon beautifully. And they're very pleased with us. And we have a really nice relationship with not only the local community, but the Oregon community in general. But it's taken five, six years to develop that. Are there plans to expand outside of Oregon? I mean, for people who might not know this, in order to at least with that, since weed is federally illegal, in order for you to sell in other states, you must grow in those states as well. So it's it's complicated. Yeah, and that is part of the thing in the episodes this year is Chris wants to expand. And I'm like, I don't know if they can grow as particularly as we do. And I can't put the Blues Brothers name on it or my brother's name or my name on it if it's not going to deliver the legacy of the quality that we've delivered as musicians and actors. So we are in Colorado at the Green Solution, but we went, Chris and I went with my grower and we met with their grower. We went through the soils. We went through their lighting regimen. We went through their pruning regimen and they have a section yet at their warehouse and it's an interior grow where it's just a Belushi product. So they stick to kind of our standard operating procedures so we can get as close as we can to the Oregon practices. So I have approved Colorado. So we're in Colorado. We're in Oklahoma. We 
just signed a deal for Pennsylvania, Michigan, Massachusetts, and we're in LOIs with New Mexico, Arizona. No California yet. California spooks me. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, it's, a, it's a hot mess, California. There's no money. You, you know, you can't break even in California right now. There's so many brands, and I don't believe they're really brands. They're just pretty boxes. I think Blues Brothers or Cookies is a brand that has meaning behind it, depth, metaphors. But I have entered in carefully into California with Bang Chocolate. I love Jamie and Graham at Bang Chocolate. And before I got to know them, I used to use Bang Chocolate. They used to use two and a half milligrams of their chocolate to sleep. And I really like their product. We met with them. And so we made a, a collaboration with Bang Chocolate. And we're releasing in California this month with Bang Blues Brothers Bang Chocolate. And we're moving into the other states that they're in. So you can collaborate with other brands and, and you they use your name and branding and also your your strain, right? Your specific. Yeah, we have specific strains that uh, that we use. It's like uh, we work with uh, Select here in Oregon and may go into a couple of states slowly. And they're the ones that use our Captain Jack vape pen. But, you know, again, there's a problem. If we're a small grow, we grow enough Captain Jack to kind of keep the joints alive. But then we have to give a lot to select in order for them to make these live resin vape pens. And they, you know, they make 5,000 pens and they're gone in a month. And it's like, uh, do you have any more? I go, well, we got to wait for this next cycle, you know? So again, with delivering, you know, everybody's having an inventory problem across the United States, not us, but we don't have enough. Do you have, and this might be a sensitive topic and you don't have to talk about, but do you guys have any issues with crime? I mean, a lot of people that I talk to in the business in the grow business are having, you know, issues with theft and crime right now. Is that something that you guys have had to deal with at all? Not at all. Maybe five years ago when we were doing strictly outdoor, we had somebody jump the fence and cut some big branches and take them. You know, I mean, they probably got away with about 10 pounds and it's like, they, you know, they must've needed it or they wouldn't have done it. We don't have any trouble with crime at all. Everything's cameraed up. Everything's locked up. What we do have trouble with in Jackson County and Oregon particularly is the cartel influence and in pretending to grow hemp and growing autoflower. And they made a bust here about a month ago Five miles from me, they busted two warehouses with 500,000 pounds of illegal weed. That's been going on in California and Oregon. They come in and they intimidate farmers and they take over their farms. They carry guns. And our governor declared a state of emergency in Jackson County to allow the state marshals to go on to farms. Because it's a hemp farm. It's a regular business. You can't go on without a warrant. But if there's a an emergency, they can walk across the line. And they cleaned up Jackson County, and they're still cleaning it up. So that kind of crime is still going on, that illegal cartel type of action. And that hurts everybody. It hurts our industry, the recreational industry. It floods the market. And also that kind of weed, we don't know the pesticides they're using. We don't that it's never tested. We don't know anything that's in it. And that hurts the consumer. So but then there's growers in California that, you know, were promised all these things if you go legal and they can't make a living. And these guys are artists and growers too. And some of them are like selling stuff out the back door 
just to stay alive. It's nuts. To close here, how do you use cannabis in your own personal life? Like, I know you you really consider it to be medicine. Are you able to work under the influence of cannabis? Is it something you use to chill out after work? Like, how, did, how, how has it been effective in your life, in helping your life? Well, as an actor, I never used it all while I was acting because I never drank and never smoked while I was doing the work because the joy and the endorphins and the adrenaline that flow naturally as an actor is is the joy of life for me. I use it. I'm a real lightweight. I mean, there's four strains on my farm that I won't even taste. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Come on, taste it. No, 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 no. That's too strong for me. I mean, I took a hit. I went to a concert with a girl who I knew very well, and we each took one hit of the Captain Jack joint before the Grateful Dead concert. And I was in the car and I looked at her and I was like, who is this girl? Who am I? And I was like, I was so high. I was like, oh, I didn't know. So I have one called Cherry Pie, which is about a 19% THC, about a 3% terpene. And the entourage of that is so chill, man. You can talk, you can be charming. And my old lady didn't even know I took a hit. I tell this story, you know, I come downstairs one night and she goes, are you hungry? I go, yeah. She goes, you want to go out? I go, yeah, sure. What do you have a taste for? I said, yeah, cheeseburgers. She goes, oh, Oh, it's a little heavy for me, Jim. And I said, well, how about some sushi? I love that place in Sotel. Oh, oh, I had sushi with my mom last night. And I'm like, what are you asking me what I'm going to eat, what I want to eat when you know damn well we're going to where you want to go and we're going to eat what you want to eat? And she's like, whoa. So the next time I take a hit of the cherry pie, I come downstairs. She goes, are you hungry? Yeah. You want to go out? I go, sure. She goes, where would you like to go? And I said, maybe we can go to Taco Bell as long as you're sitting across from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good weed. Dude. She's like, wow, aren't you charming? I go, am I? So I called Cherry Pie, the marriage counselor. And I sold out of it because I had told this story at a harvest party. Sold out of it in Oregon like that. Women were coming into these dispensaries going, where's that marriage counselor? He needs it. So I prefer that for a chill. Maybe at the end of the day, if I'm feeling a little anxious, which is in this industry, you can feel anxious. And I used that bang chocolate and another chocolate is glazed chocolate, high-end chocolate. We made it, we made a deal with them in Tulsa, two Katie's. It's really good. We call it chasing magic. I'll take 2.5 to 5 milligrams at night to sleep. And that's about my usage with the exception of once in a while, I have to taste some of our grow, but my nose and my tongue have really developed. I mean, I'm not Napa ready. But I really do have a, a palate now to where I can just taste something and know exactly where it's going in the brain and the neck or the body. Well, I'm so excited for your show, Growing Blue She Season 2. It's going to be on Discoveries. Premieres January 19th. Jim, it's always so great to talk to you and fun. And I'm so happy you're in the industry. And thank you again. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now. That's W-R-I-T-E to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, 
We'll THC you later. <laughs>